Chapter 18, Fruits, Cereals, and Vegetables. Part 1, Fruits. A blessing in fresh fruits. I am so thankful to God that when Adam lost his Eden home, the Lord did not cut off the supply of fruit. The Lord desires those living in countries where fresh fruit can be obtained during a large part of the year to awake to the blessing they have in this fruit. The more we depend upon the fresh fruit, just as it is plucked from the tree, the greater will be the blessing. It would be well for us to do less cooking and to eat more fruit in its natural state. Let us teach the people to eat freely of the fresh grapes, apples, peaches, pears, berries, and all other kinds of fruit that can be obtained. Let these be prepared for winter use by canning, using glass as far as possible instead of tin. For a dyspeptic stomach, you may place upon your tables fruits of different kinds, but not too many at one meal. Fruit we would especially recommend as a health-giving agency, but even fruit should not be eaten after a full meal of other foods. Nicely prepared vegetables and fruits in their season will be beneficial if they are of the best quality, not showing the slightest sign of decay, but are sound and unaffected by any disease or decay. More die by eating decayed fruit and decayed vegetables which ferment in the stomach and result in blood poisoning than we have any idea of. A plain, simple, but liberal supply of fruit is the best food that can be placed before those who are preparing for the work of God. Grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our Creator. These foods, prepared in as simple and natural a manner as possible, are the most healthful and nourishing. They impart a strength, a power of endurance, and a vigor of intellect that are not afforded by a more complex and stimulating diet. In grains, fruits, vegetables, and nuts are to be found all the food elements that we need. If we will come to the Lord in simplicity of mind, He will teach us how to prepare wholesome food free from the taint of flesh meat. Intemperate eating is often the cause of sickness. And what nature most needs is to be relieved of the undue burden that has been placed upon her. In many cases of sickness, the very best remedy is for the patient to fast for a meal or two that the overworked organs of digestion may have an opportunity to rest. A fruit diet for a few days has often brought great relief to brain workers. Many times a short period of entire abstinence from food followed by simple, moderate eating has led to recovery through nature's own recuperative effort. An abstemious diet for a month or two would convince many sufferers that the path of self-denial is the path to health. Replacing Injurious Articles 
in our medical institutions, clear instructions should be given in regard to temperance. The patients should be shown the evil of intoxicating liquor and the blessing of total abstinence. They should be asked to discard the things that have ruined their health, and the place of these things should be supplied with an abundance of fruit. Oranges, lemons, prunes, peaches, and many other varieties can be obtained. For the Lord's world is productive if painstaking effort is put forth. Do not eat largely of salt. Avoid the use of pickles and spiced foods. Eat an abundance of fruit, and the irritation that calls for so much drink at mealtime will largely disappear. Canning and drying. Wherever fruit can be grown in abundance, a liberal supply should be prepared for winter by canning or drying. Small fruits, such as currants, gooseberries, strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries, can be grown to advantage in many places where they are but little used and their cultivation is neglected. For household canning, glass rather than tin cans should be used whenever possible. It is especially necessary that the fruit for canning should be in good condition. Use little sugar and cook the fruit only long enough to ensure its preservation. Thus prepared, it is an excellent substitute for fresh fruit. Wherever dried fruits, such as raisins, prunes, apples, pears, peaches, and apricots, are obtainable at moderate prices, it will be found that they can be used as staple articles of diet much more freely than is customary with the best results to the health and vigor of all classes of workers. Applesauce put up in glass is wholesome and palatable. Pears and cherries, if they can be obtained, make very nice sauce for winter use. If you can get apples, you are in a good condition as far as fruit is concerned, if you have nothing else. I do not think such large varieties of fruit are essential, yet they should be carefully gathered and preserved in their season for use when there are no apples to be had. Apples are superior to any fruit for a standby that grows. Fresh from orchard and garden. There is another advantage to be gained by carrying on the cultivation of fruit in connection with our sanitariums. Thus fruit, absolutely free from decay and fresh from the trees, can be obtained for table use. Families and institutions should learn to do more in the cultivation and improvement of land. If people only knew the value of the products of the ground, which the earth brings forth in their season, more diligent efforts would be made to cultivate the soil. All should be acquainted with the special value of fruits and vegetables fresh from the orchard and garden. As the number of patients and students increases, more land will be needed. Grapevines should be planted, thus making it possible for the institution to produce its grapes. The orange orchard that is on the place would be an advantage. Part 2, Grains in a diet 
of the Creator's choice. Grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our Creator. These foods, prepared in as simple and natural a manner as possible, are the most healthful and nourishing. They impart a strength, a power of endurance, and a vigor of intellect that are not afforded by a more complex and stimulating diet. Those who eat flesh are but eating grains and vegetables at second hand, for the animal receives from these things the nutrition that produces growth. The life that was in the grains and vegetables passes into the eater. We receive it by eating the flesh of the animal. How much better to get it direct by eating the food that God provided for our use. A part of an adequate diet. It is a mistake to suppose that muscular strength depends on the use of animal food. The needs of the system can be better supplied and more vigorous health can be enjoyed without its use. The grains with fruits, nuts, and vegetables contain all the nutritive properties necessary to make good blood. In grains, fruits, vegetables, and nuts are to be found all the food elements that we need. If we will come to the Lord in simplicity of mind, He will teach us how to prepare wholesome food free from the taint of flesh meat. Abundantly supplied. Nature's abundant supply of fruits, nuts, and grains is ample, and year by year the products of all lands are more generally distributed to all by the increased facilities for transportation. As a result, many articles of food, which a few years ago were regarded as expensive luxuries, are now within the reach of all as foods for everyday use. If we plan wisely, that which is most conducive to health can be secured in almost every land. The various preparations of rice, wheat, corn, and oats are sent abroad everywhere, also beans, peas, and lentils. These with native or imported fruits and the variety of vegetables that grow in each locality give an opportunity to select a dietary that is complete without the use of flesh meats. Properly prepared. Fruits, grains, and vegetables prepared in a simple way, free from spice and grease of all kinds, make, with milk or cream, the most healthful diet. They impart nourishment to the body and give a power of endurance and a vigor of intellect that are not produced by a stimulating diet. Grains and fruits prepared free from grease and in as natural a condition as possible should be the food for the tables of all who claim to be preparing for translation to heaven. Porridge. Grains used for porridge or mush should have several hours cooking but soft or liquid foods are less wholesome than dry foods, which require thorough mastication. Some 
honestly think that a proper dietary consists chiefly of porridge. To eat largely of porridge would not ensure health to the digestive organs, for it is too much like liquid. Encourage the eating of fruit and vegetables and bread. Graham gruel. You can make graham gruel. If the graham flour is too coarse, sift it, and while the gruel is hot, add milk. This will make a most palatable and healthful dish for the campground. To take the place of flesh meat. When flesh food is discarded, its place should be supplied with a variety of grains, nuts, vegetables, and fruits that will be both nourishing and appetizing. The place of meat should be supplied with wholesome foods that are inexpensive. Part three, bread, the staff of life. Religion will lead mothers to make bread of the very best quality. Bread should be thoroughly baked inside and out. The health of the stomach demands that it be light and dry. Bread is the real staff of life, and therefore every cook should excel in making it. Religion in a good loaf. Some do not feel it is a religious duty to prepare food properly. Hence, they do not try to learn how. They let the bread sour before baking, and the celeritus added to remedy the cook's carelessness makes it totally unfit for the human stomach. It requires thought and care to make good bread, but there is more religion in a good loaf of bread than many think. It is a religious duty for every Christian girl and woman to learn at once to make good, sweet, light bread from unbolted wheat flour. Mothers should take their daughters into the kitchen with them when very young, and teach them the art of cooking. Use of soda in bread. The use of soda or baking powder in bread making is harmful and unnecessary. Soda causes inflammation of the stomach and often poisons the entire system. Many housewives think that they cannot make good bread without soda, but this is an error. If they would take the trouble to learn better methods, their bread would be more wholesome and, to a natural taste, it would be more palatable. Using milk in yeast bread. In the making of raised or yeast bread, milk should not be used in the place of water. The use of milk is an additional expense and it makes the bread much less wholesome. Milk bread does not keep sweet so long after baking as does that made with water, and it ferments more readily in the stomach. Hot yeast bread. Bread should be light and sweet. Not the least taint of sourness should be tolerated. The loaves should be small and so thoroughly baked that as far as possible the yeast germs shall be destroyed. When hot or new, Raised bread of any kind is difficult of digestion. It should never appear on the table. This rule does not, however, apply to unleavened bread. Fresh rolls made of wheaten meal without yeast or leaven and baked in a well-baked oven are both wholesome and palatable. 
Zweibach. Zweibach, or twice-baked bread, is one of the most easily digested and most palatable of foods. Let ordinary raised bread be cut in slices and dried in a warm oven till the last trace of moisture disappears. Then let it be browned slightly all the way through. In a dry place, this bread can be kept much longer than ordinary bread, and if reheated before using, it will be as fresh as when new. Old bread, preferable to fresh. Bread which is two or three days old is more healthful than new bread. Bread dried in the oven is one of the most wholesome articles of diet. The evils of sour bread. We frequently find graham bread heavy, sour, and but partially baked. This is for want of interest to learn and care to perform the important duty of cook. Sometimes we find gem cakes or soft biscuit, dried, not baked, and other things after the same order. And then cooks will tell you they can do very well in the old style of cooking. But to tell the truth, their families do not like graham bread, that they would starve to live in this way. I have said to myself, I do not wonder at it. It is your manner of preparing food that makes it so unpalatable. To eat such food would certainly give one the dyspepsia. These poor cooks and those who have to eat their food will gravely tell you that the health reform does not agree with them. The stomach has not power to convert poor, heavy, sour bread into good food. But this poor bread will convert a healthy stomach into a diseased one. Those who eat such food know that they are failing in strength. Is there not a cause? Some of these persons call themselves health reformers, but they are not. They do not know how to cook. They prepare cakes, potatoes, and graham bread, but there is the same round with scarcely a variation, and the system is not strengthened. They seem to think the time wasted which is devoted to obtaining a thorough experience in the preparation of healthful, palatable food. In many families, we find dyspeptics, and frequently the reason of this is the poor bread. The mistress of the house decides that it must not be thrown away, and they eat it. Is this the way to dispose of poor bread? Will you put it into the stomach to be converted into blood? Has the stomach power to make sour bread sweet, heavy bread light, moldy bread fresh? Many a wife and mother who has not had the right education and lacks skill in the cooking department is daily presenting her family with ill-prepared food which is steadily and surely destroying the digestive organs, making a poor quality of blood and frequently bringing on acute attacks of inflammatory disease and causing premature death. Many have been brought to their death by eating heavy, sour bread. An instance was related to me of a hired girl who made a batch of sour, heavy bread. In order to get rid of it and conceal the matter, she threw it to a couple of very large hogs. 
Next morning, the man of the house found his swine dead, and upon examining the trough, found pieces of this heavy bread. He made inquiries, and the girl acknowledged what she had done. She had not a thought of the effect of such bread upon the swine. If heavy, sour bread will kill swine, which can devour rattlesnakes and almost every detestable thing, what effect will it have upon that tender organ, the human stomach? The advantage of using bread and other hard foods. Great care should be taken when the change is made from a flesh meat to a vegetarian diet. To supply the table with wisely prepared, well-cooked articles of food. So much porridge eating is a mistake. The dry food that requires mastication is far preferable. The health food preparations are a blessing in this respect. Good brown bread in rolls prepared in a simple manner, yet with painstaking effort, will be healthful. Bread should never have the slightest taint of sourness. It should be cooked until it is thoroughly done. Thus, all softness and stickiness will be avoided. For those who can use them, good vegetables prepared in a healthful manner are better than soft mushes or porridge. Fruits used with thoroughly cooked bread two or three days old will be more healthful than fresh bread. This, with slow and thorough mastication, will furnish all that the system requires. Hot biscuits. Hot biscuits and flesh meats are entirely out of harmony with health reform principles. Hot soda biscuits are often spread with butter and eaten as a choice diet, but the enfeebled digestive organs cannot but feel the abuse placed upon them. We have been going back to Egypt rather than on to Canaan. Shall we not reverse the order of things? Shall we not have plain, wholesome food on our tables? Shall we not dispense with hot biscuits, which only cause dyspepsia? Gems and rolls. Hot biscuit raised with soda or baking powder should never appear upon our tables. Such compounds are unfit to enter the stomach. Hot, raised bread of any kind is difficult of digestion. Graham gems, which are both wholesome and palatable, may be made from the unbolted flour mixed with pure cold water and milk. But it is difficult to teach our people simplicity. When we recommend Graham gems, our friends say, oh yes, we know how to make them. We are much disappointed when they appear raised with baking powder or with sour milk and soda. These give no evidence of reform. The unbolted flour, mixed with pure soft water and milk, makes the best gems we have ever tasted. If the water is hard, use more sweet milk or add an egg to the batter. Gems should be thoroughly baked in a well-heated oven with a steady fire. To make rolls, Use soft water and milk or a little cream. Make a stiff dough and knead it as for crackers. Bake on the grate of the oven. 
These are sweet and delicious. They require thorough mastication, which is a benefit to both the teeth and the stomach. They make good blood and impart strength. With such bread and the abundant fruits, vegetables, and grains with which our country abounds, no greater luxuries should be desired. Whole wheat bread, better than white. Fine flour bread cannot impart to the system the nourishment that you will find in the unbolted wheat bread. The common use of bolted wheat bread cannot keep the system in a healthy condition. You both have inactive livers. The use of fine flour aggravates the difficulties under which you are laboring. For use in bread making, the superfine white flour is not the best. Its use is neither healthful nor economical. Fine flour bread is lacking in nutritive elements to be found in bread made from the whole wheat. It is a frequent cause of constipation and other unhealthful conditions. Grains in bread may be varied. All wheat flour is not best for a continuous diet. A mixture of wheat, oatmeal, and rye would be more nutritious than the wheat with the nutrifying properties separated from it. Sweetbreads. Sweetbreads and cookies we seldom have on our table. The less of sweet foods that are eaten, the better. These cause disturbances in the stomach and produce impatience and irritability in those who accustom themselves to their use. It is well to leave sugar out of the crackers that are made. Some enjoy best the sweetest crackers, but these are an injury to the digestive organs. Part four, vegetables. Fresh vegetables, simply prepared. All should be acquainted with the special value of fruits and vegetables fresh from the orchard and garden. Fruits, grains, and vegetables prepared in a simple way, free from spice and grease of all kinds, make with milk and cream the most healthful diet. They impart nourishment to the body and give a power of endurance and a vigor of intellect that are not produced by a stimulating diet. For those who can use them, good vegetables prepared in a healthful manner are better than soft mushes or porridge. Vegetables should be made palatable with a little milk or cream or something equivalent. A part of a complete diet. The simple grains, fruits of the trees, vegetables, all have the nutritive properties necessary to make good blood. This a flesh diet cannot do. Plenty of vegetables. We are built up from that which we eat. Shall we strengthen the animal passions by eating animal food? In the place of educating the taste to love this gross diet, it is high time that we were educating ourselves to subsist upon fruits, grains, and vegetables. A variety of simple dishes perfectly healthful and nourishing, may be provided aside from meat. 
Hearty men must have plenty of vegetables, fruits, and grains. The Lord intends to bring his people back to live upon simple fruits, vegetables, and grains. Some cannot use vegetables. In a medical institution, there are varied appetites to satisfy. Some require well-prepared vegetables to meet their peculiar needs. Others have not been able to use vegetables without suffering the consequence. Potatoes, Irish and sweet. We do not think fried potatoes are healthful, for there is more or less grease or butter used in preparing them. Good baked or boiled potatoes served with cream and a sprinkling of salt are the most healthful. The remnants of Irish and sweet potatoes are prepared with a little cream and salt and rebaked and not fried. They are excellent. Beans, a wholesome diet. Another very simple yet wholesome dish is beans, boiled or baked. Dilute a portion of them with water, add milk or cream, and make a broth. Growing and preserving vegetables. Many do not see the importance of having land to cultivate and of raising fruit and vegetables, that their tables may be supplied with these things. I am instructed to say to every family and every church, God will bless you when you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, fearing lest, by unwise treatment of the body, you will mar the Lord's plan for you. Provision should be made for obtaining a supply of dried sweet corn. Pumpkins can be dried and used to advantage during the winter in making pies. Greens and tomatoes in the diet of Ellen G. White. You speak in regard to my diet. I have not become so wedded to one thing as not to be able to eat anything else. But as far as material for greens is concerned, you need have no concern. For to my certain knowledge, there are in the section of country where you live many kinds of vegetable productions which I can use as greens. I shall be able to obtain the leaves of the yellow dock, the young dandelion, and mustard. There will be a far more bountiful supply there and of a superior quality than we could obtain in Australia. And if there was nothing else, there are the grain productions. My appetite left me some time before I went to the east, but now it has returned, and I am very hungry when meal time comes. My thistle greens, nicely cooked and seasoned with sterilized cream and lemon juice, are very appetizing. I have vermicelli tomato soup one meal and greens the next. I have begun again to eat potato meal. My food all tastes good. I am like a fever patient who has been half starved and I am in danger of overeating. The tomatoes you sent were very nice and very palatable. I find that tomatoes are the best article of diet for me to use. Of corn and peas, we have raised enough for ourselves and our neighbors. The sweet corn we dry for winter use, 
Then when we need it, we grind it in a mill and cook it. It makes most palatable soups and other dishes. In their season, we have grapes in abundance, also prunes and apples, and some cherries, peaches, pears, and olives, which we prepare ourselves. We also grow a large quantity of tomatoes. I never make excuses for the food that is on my table. I do not think God is pleased to have us do so. Our visitors eat as we do and appear to enjoy our bill of fare.